Self. Through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. Welcome to the first episode of Wise Wise, where we will be discussing Alexander's frequency-based philosophy in an ongoing conversation about self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. My name is Aaron Keith, and I will be hosting this podcast along with Alexander Tuttle. Now, before we get started into the first episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about the podcast itself. We will be releasing a new episode of this conversation in a consistent format. All of these podcasts will be completely free. We feel that that is in the best interest of everyone out there. However, if you would like to support us, there are a few ways you can do so. First, you can share this podcast with like-minded people, and you can do it in a variety of ways. A few places our podcast can be found are YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and of course, our website at wise-wise.com. Another way you can support us is by heading over to our Patreon page, where you can donate to the podcast and in exchange receive certain perks. Some of those perks being exclusive content, Facebook group access, where you can interact with us and other people that are on the same journey, all the way to exclusive memorabilia and private sessions with Alexander. To check out these perks and to donate, go to wise-wise.com patron. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Finally, you can contact Alexander for a private consultation covering many subjects such as self-growth, relationship communications, and overall energetic wellness. These sessions can be scheduled in person, phone, WhatsApp, and Skype, to name a few. To schedule a session, you can email alexander at wise-wise.com. You can also contact Alexander or visit his website to purchase meditation and other audio tracks, personal and relationship birth analysis reports, or get more information on his revolutionary Vibrotune sound tables. His website is vibrotune.com. V-I-B-R-O-T-U-N-E dot com. If apparel is what you're looking for, I have created a startup apparel company which features the Alexander Collection, the Wise Wise Logo Apparel, and other alternative and thought-provoking designs. The company is called Verities Apparel, and it can be found at veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T, E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L dot com. And with that out of the way, let's start the conversation by talking about conscious communication and living in the non-preference, utilizing the internal-external question technique. With the five external questions being, is this the right place? Is this the right time? 
Is this the right person? Is this the right subject? And is this the right duration? Saving the whys for internal. And these are the wise whys. And now let's begin bringing in Alexander. Thank you. Thank you. So yes, the wise whys. So I would like to suggest everyone that this is a term that comes very often to our minds and we ask, why does this person treat me this way? Or why is my life um, working out this way? We ask a lot of external whys, and it creates a lot of confusion. And even when we get answers from people, um, we can't always trust those answers. So I'd like to suggest to turn the whys inside. Use those for internal questions, such as, Why am I allowing this person to affect me this way? Why am I allowing this situation to frustrate me this way? Normally that why is connected to something from their past. There's an association that we uh, stay connected to, and our emotions are typically uh, very directed to associations. Any emotional situation that we go to in the present time really truly has very little to do with the present situation. It's connected to to, to many similar situations throughout one's whole life. This is why getting to that why, that internal why, is what begins the step toward well-being or healing past traumas, which will change the way our present situations are being perceived in our life. And it's really about taking responsibility for your emotions, which is one of the pillars that you can definitely go back and listen to. And that's, that's why you would turn that question internal, is if you're at a place where you have identified that you do carry baggage and you are at a place where you do want to start mending that and becoming uh, not, not a better person. Well, but, more your authentic self. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the conditioning that we're all used to and struggling with. So that is part of this dissecting and why we ask the whys is because most of the emotional uh, reactions that we have is not coming from our authentic self. It's been trained to us. We've been trained to react a certain way rather than accepting reality for the way that it is. So we have all these preferences and judgments that have been forced on us. So as we go through cleaning that up is what um, begins one step on a conscious path to truly experience and accept things for the way they are rather than our emotional blinders and how uh, our perception is misguided through those emotional blinders. So the whole point of this work is not to um, avoid emotions, Um, Because we are emotional beings, the point is to learn to manage those emotions and to see the emotions connected to the subconscious very, very similarly to how we um, optimally direct children. And so this is why the majority of the discussion will be around energy, um, because energy works within certain limitations um, and it's ever expanding simultaneously. So the more that we can ask those internal whys of and get to the solution of that. For example, if a young man uh, in his youth, say, had a brother that was 10 years older than him, then growing up, more than likely, 
he got picked on by that older sibling. And more than likely, there was power struggles throughout that youngster's life that he lost many, many over long periods of time to that older sibling. But then at some point in time, the physical bodies get closer to even in size, and that type of domination ceases to exist between those two people. But the person that was getting dominated will carry that vibration with them throughout their life. And anytime somebody starts treating them similarly to their sibling, they will have an emotional reaction around it. And if they can understand that it is this old memory of these past traumas that are triggering these emotional reactions, and we go through uh, focusing on forgiveness and releasing that energy, then the situations will cease to exist or cease to come into our environment to test us to heal that are similar to these past experiences. Because once we heal them and we forgive and move on, then there's no need for that vibration to keep coming back or cycling back around. So if asking external wise is not a wise thing to do, how should we ask those whys in our lives? Well, once again, touching on, um, just like in that past example that I was giving, if the younger sibling, say he's 40 years old in present day, but has a, uh, a boss that talks with a similar timber or similar frequency uh, to his sibling, then he's going to have difficulty receiving information from uh, that boss. So asking, why am I having this issue Um, understanding my boss rather than why does he have to talk to me like that? And if when you ask that internal why of why am I struggling with understanding, then possibly you can make that connection of, oh, I do notice that his voice is similar to my sibling that used to uh, dominate me. And so I can understand why I would have a resistance to that. So then the practice would begin that every time that that person interacted with their boss, that that before they even interacted, they would bring that into their awareness and into, into their intention that I'm going to intend to hear my boss clearly today, that although he reminds me of my sibling, I want to break that association. And this is the beginning steps of stopping that pattern from continuing. But gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. So through all of this change and all of this work that we want to do, we want to understand that practice is necessary. And so I like to suggest to people to work on something a hundred times before you expect to be any better at it. Practice. We are habitual creatures, so anything that we practice, we will get better at. So that's just one example of the whys. Or if I'm like at the beach and might happen to carry a fear of water uh, and and am tired of not getting to experience the beach the way that other people do, then I can go internally and ask, why am I afraid of this water? And I may, uh, through my introspection, get to a point and remember when I was a child and maybe there was an accident around water and that created a trauma. Then once again, you slowly start incorporating uh, the polarity, if you will, a different view of the, the water, a different experience, accepting that you're at a different place in your life. 
and you slowly work to initiate that communion again rather than just being separate from it and not having an understanding of why as we get to the wise wise yeah and this is this is probably something you're not a naturally born person you know like you're not naturally gifted at this type of thing this no, is because definitely something it's, learned. Yes, it's not something that our society uh, cultivates in any way, um, introspection or uh, going internal. Uh, we're so such an external, um, high-sensory stimulation type of population. And so, um, so that is the purpose of this podcast and this information is to give the monkey mind something uh, to focus on. And anytime we focus internally – it's going to be energy well spent um, as long as we are not stepping into guilt or worry or the negative emotions. So once again, uh, that introspection uh, to assess is much, much different than judging. And when we get into guilt, we're judging uh, ourselves just as we judge others externally. And that is leaking our energy constantly. Yeah, and, and acceptance of the situation of where we are in our lives of us being human beings and and uh, not super humans and and acceptance that it does take time to get better at this and yes. to change. So and just, it is a gradual pace. I mean, I can't express to people that um, that the self cultivation in some circles, uh, so called natural remedy circles, they say that it may take half as long to fix the situation as it did to break it down. So you think of somebody that's been on a certain uh, perception or mind uh, direction for, say, 40 years, and then they want to start changing that. Um, You're not necessarily going to change that quickly. You can change your ability to talk about it, um, and that can be enough for some people. But to truly incorporate it in your being – takes quite a while and you'll hear me discuss a lot of seven-year cycles in um in these talks and how i work with people through traumas uh through visualizing a seven-year cycle is a complete rebirthing um, because every cell in the body completely regenerates every seven years um so this is how we'll get into uh, later episodes of discussing how to release some of this trauma so you've you've talked about there's five external questions that that are okay to ask in any given situation. And then obviously the why, uh, the right why is always in the internal why. Let's go into some of that. When, where, who, what, and how are all questions for the external. And leave why for the internal. So in communicating with others and to make arrangements and plans or to follow through with intentions. These external questions are very important. Um, We need to know if it's the right time to do something or um, if it's the right place to do something or if it's with the right person or if it's the right subject or if we've been on this subject for the right duration or we're using the right technique. So right time equals when, right place equals where, Right person equals who, right subject equals what, and right duration or technique equals how. And then, of course, we have the why for the internal. So 
all of these six questions are extremely important. And when we get into more linear understanding of what I call conscious communication, that is what determines conscious communication are these six questions. And when those six questions are observed completely in non-preference, then one is going in the direction to make a conscious decision. And that's what we're going to be uncovering more and more of this language as we go on. You just mentioned non-preference. What exactly does that mean? Great question. Great question. So to live in non-preference, that does not necessarily mean that um, I don't like green beans better than broccoli. But if I truly live in non-preference, if broccoli is offered to me, I don't say or carry the energy that I would rather have green beans. I'm in complete acceptance and gratitude for what is being offered. While if both are being offered in front of me and I can make a non-emotional choice with those two, then I may choose the green beans over the broccoli. Or if I'm interested in doing some work, then I will choose the broccoli because I'm uh, less attracted to that, and I may want to ask why I'm less attracted to that internally. So uh, this is how we stay in non-preference. It doesn't mean that we don't make choices. Now, what if, what if I don't like either? Okay. If you don't like either, then that's too good wise-wise um, because lots of times our our senses and our preferences are determined by our past experiences. Um, so even something as simple as a flavor, that can be um, skewed through a light trauma uh, going through in youth and possibly a person could be eating some broccoli when their father comes in and is in a bad mood and slams doors and there's fear evoked, and then there becomes an association with that broccoli to that feeling. So then they just go, I don't like broccoli. When it's not really about the broccoli, it's about the experience with that. And lots of allergies are created in this way. That's that's interesting. I remember um, when I was young, um, I got a stomach bug and I had tacos right before <laughs> I went to bed and then I woke up and it all came up and I remember I wasn't able to eat tacos for a while after that. That's a great association and great story because that happens so, so much. And like I said, there's a direct connection with, um, with allergies and, um, that as well. Uh, not just our personal preferences through our emotion. I mean, through our senses. And I'm sure, you know, just thinking about that, I'm sure you could apply that type of thinking throughout your life and see where like when you have a bad experience of something how it has affected you not wanting to do certain things whereas when you think about it logically it doesn't make sense but there's that it's almost like an emotion stored in you that you tap into when thinking about certain things yeah so we store emotion through association also we store emotion in our body at different areas at different times of our lives and uh just thinking about um, before I moved to Virginia, somebody asked um, where I would like to move, and I remember thinking, 
of all the different places and they asked well how about pennsylvania and i remember having just like this weird reaction to pennsylvania like when i thought about it it just made my skin crawl <laughs> and i don't know if it it is because when you drive from the northeast to the to virginia or the south it's a it's a long way and it's just desolate and all the buildings just seem like cuz it's an old you know there was a lot of mo- old mining towns so mm-hmm. It just seems so run down and like creepy and like there's nothing new there. It just like the energy and I I assume that I tapped into that energy and that feeling of driving through there stuck with me. So whenever I think of Pennsylvania, I think of that energy of driving through there. Right. Yeah, and then there's might be some wise wise in there. Yeah, so yeah. so I don't know if that's a a good thing or a bad thing or cuz I know sometimes you can have a feeling about something and it's it's almost like an intuitive energetic feeling about like if somebody has bad intentions like if you get a feeling around mm-hmm. somebody yeah and then this is why it's extremely important in uh in being able to manage these emotions because in order to be able to tap into these gifts that everyone has at different levels um you have to have a very clear emotional filter and so people that say that they have a feeling about something, lots of times they're having an emotional reaction. And so they are so-called feeling something. But we're going to separate very early the difference between a feeling, there's a feeling, there's intuition, and there's emotional reaction. And those are three different things. And it's very difficult to discern for anyone that doesn't have any skills at managing their emotions because the emotions are going to jump up first. Now, feeling, uh, I like to discuss that in a way that there is potentially only one feeling, and that feeling is love. The one thing that cannot be described, no matter how difficult, so many songs and um, poems and uh, have been uh, written and said and painted and it's been expressed so many ways but but true love is a, is a a feeling that that when it's really tapped into and tried to be expressed between two people or more normally it just becomes silent and tears of expression then intuition that is some people sometimes call that a feeling um but that that comes typically from a different area of the being uh, as far as one's intuition and one's feeling and one's emotional reaction. So like the the intuition can come in um, similar to a thought, but it is different. Um, and lots of times it is seen through um, the mind center or the third eye. And then the, the but feeling is more of a, um, a uh, all-encompassing, um, completely evoking with all of the being like i said when you express love or or when you experience loss the polarity of that love um it's an all-encompassing it's where emotional reaction lots of times uh begins uh for lots of people in the solar plexus area or the top of the gut and there's a a it can even feel like a physical sensation but lots of times this can be directed through uh, figuring out where each individual carries this by 
the thought or the remembrance of riding in an elevator or a roller coaster. And when that drop happens, there's an area of your body that you feel, a, oh, no. And so that is that became my emotional trigger to know that if I feel something in my solar plexus or the top of my abdomen, more than likely I'm having an emotional reaction. So the very first agreement was to not react, to take a step back, to take time out, to assess, is this an intuition, is this a feeling, or is this an emotional reaction? And it's very useful to be able to learn over time to separate um, all three of those. So would you say that my Pennsylvania story... Would you say that is uh, an emotional thing? I would, um, uh, just because it sounds like an association because yeah. the way that you were describing it. It's a visual thing. Now, you know, in this podcast, uh, every now and then we may bring up the subject of past lives, um, and we're not going to harp on that. What we're going to do is we're going to either focus on some things can be connected through past lives or they could be connected to family lineage. And I don't necessarily carry a preference, but we'll try to encompass those two in just one verbiage. Uh, it's basically what we've brought with us. So if you want to follow from the standpoint that you pick this up from your grandparents and or they're your great-grandparents or that you brought this in from a past life, once again, I'm not really that concerned over the language. But we do carry more with us than just this lifetime. Um, uh, most people will agree with that. So, um, you know, in Western medicine, they say that it's in the DNA. Yeah, or cellular memory. Cellular yeah. memory, yeah. Uh, and then in more energetic-type practices, uh, they tend to come from a past life-type um, perspective. Both are useful and both carry very similar information from my perspective. Yeah, looking at the Pennsylvania thing, logically, like I'd— I've never had it. Like, there's no reason for me to have that feeling towards Pennsylvania because I've never lived there, so I'm coming from ignorance. Mm -hmm. um, but I was not, still not going to move there. <laughs> right, right. Yes, and that, like I said, that association could be from something uh, that you're you're not necessarily recalling from this life because you say that you've never been there. Um, but there's so many influences. Um, there's TV. There's there's parents. Uh, family uh, and we hear things you know growing up that we don't necessarily connect with so uh, so this would be you know a fun one for you to just kind of play with and say what is this resistance like that I have and lots of times people can set those intentions before going to bed and that type of thing and um, and we'll have a dream or have some clarity that will will come about it because just remember that intention goes a long ways. Uh, when we intend something without uh, attachment to it. Um, so we, we're part of the, the creation of the concept, and then we trust that it'll work out for the overall good of everyone involved. And if it's meant to be, it will, it will create. And if not, then that's a gift too. So once again, tapping back into that, um, that non-preference. So intention is very difficult, different from attachment and expectations so those are two words that get exchanged a lot is expectations and intentions expectations carries attachment but intention doesn't carry an attachment and that's a very um very important to see the difference yeah that's a good idea um 
and even for anybody else who wants to start practicing this type of thing is start out with something that doesn't have a lot of emotion and you're not like there's no attachment there like it's a fun thing i've just realized that i had this weird feeling about pennsylvania and yeah and uh, i've got i've got just the opposite that i've always been connected to montana and the exact yeah. opposite uh <laughs> don't know why have never been there i've never known anyone that's lived there or been there but have this attraction to it and uh and it's fun to to share those kinds of um polarity stories so to say uh so i'm i've been influenced in a very similar way uh as you with the pennsylvania but with a different outcome uh different resonance so to say so yeah and seeing that all of these thoughts all of these emotions all of these uh feelings they all have frequencies and so this is where we're going to be bringing the language in this podcast and with this information, it'll continuously be brought back around to frequencies and vibration and that we can get away from the so-called good and the so-called bad or the so-called right and the so-called wrong by understanding that this is the plane of polarity. We do have to have the, the poles, uh, the opposites um, for everything to stay in equilibrium. So, uh, so working to accept these differences is really where our culture is, is majorly struggling uh, at these times to see that um, power is truly in diversity and using everyone's strengths rather than focusing on the weaknesses. And um, this is uh, where many people in the past has failed. And if we can come together and appreciate each other's differences, we can, we can grow as a as a human race, uh, much faster. So let's get back to those five external questions because I think it's important to uh, break down like what each one of them, like give examples of like right place, right time, right person, right subject, right duration. Yeah, I think you're uh, right about that. And <laughs> and so with the, with the right time, um, you know, Time can mean many different things, and we always want to be considering how we can see each one of these subjects deeper. So time could be time of the day that you engage with somebody on a very deep subject, but it's maybe 1 o'clock in the morning, and both parties are tired, and it's not the right time. It could be the right time of, of where someone is at, such as a child, I think you brought up earlier in a discussion, um, you know, a child getting taught the birds and the bees at a when the parent feels that it's a good time. Um, it can also be, you know, how fresh a subject is and is it the right time to bring this up? So once again, as we go through all of these, we are focused on consideration because when we consider other people or other situations, it is very different from being walked over or catering to people. Um, consideration is a very empowering process where catering to people is a very depleting process. Yeah, we can also look at it like you're not giving up your power. You're actually almost looking at the variables and making sure that you have the right variables for a successful conversation. Right, exchange, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that you want it to be a win-win exchange. And that's the beauty of conscious communication is that there is reciprocation um, with the information. 
as opposed to just exchanging words and choosing to agree or not agree is where lots of our culture's so-called um, language is. So, you know, right time, timing is, is extremely important. And lots of times when uh, people are struggling with manifesting or getting things to be created in their life, um, they're not paying attention to the timing. And we use different tools to help people, uh, you know, to know when their timing is being supported. And, um, you know, and you can look at that just as simple as, you know, you can swim in the ocean at night or you can swim in it during the day. Uh, someone can say, well, you can swim in the ocean anytime you want, but there's more safety that's going to come with uh, different timings. So, yes, the so-called free will is, is there, but the whole purpose of this podcast and this information is to do everything from a more uh, conscious or clear standpoint. Yeah, we could even apply that to the podcast, The Right Time. Yes. Because you and I have been working on this since the end of last year, and we started and we struggled with a lot of the linear-based construction of the podcast, and it took us... Both of us, well, mostly myself, um, I had an experience that I had outside of doing this podcast with uh, the apparel company, Verities, and I had to go through a lot of um, instances where I wanted to be a perfectionist on a lot of things, and at the end of the day, it turned out that it really didn't matter when you look back at it. So I was able to come back to the podcast with that uh, realizing this and with a new set of eyes and we were able to really break down a lot of the, the linear and move that out of the way and and basically able to collaborate on a better construction of the podcast where uh, it's more free-flowing and it doesn't block progress. And that was a good example of the right timing and we weren't pushing it. We were allowing it to um, to develop sort of organically and and things come in different waves and cycles. Um, so that's the, the thing to pay attention to your surroundings and realize whether, you know, what you're doing and who you're doing it with is, is it being supported or is it, um, you know, being is resistance coming. And so going internally once again and asking those whys can clear up a lot of those energetic uh, imbalances. Um, you know, and that's just with the one concept of time. And, you know, we have so many more here and the next one is like um, place or where so is it the right environment uh, to bring up the subject of whatever you're talking about and that can be equally as important as the right time because if you bring up a subject in the wrong environment and you make somebody uncomfortable in that situation uh, it may not only shut them down from that subject but anything associated with that subject so just realize that that anytime we create resistance in somebody, we don't just create resistance to one subject typically. There are many subjects that are associated that they will draw conclusions and um, judgments toward as well. So there can be a responsibility, a conscious responsibility that comes with all that. So right place is, uh, you know, whether it could be something as simple as if it's around a social gathering or private gathering, or if it's outside or inside, how well a person can be heard or understood in that environment. 
um, whether the subject is conducive and supportive to the type of environment, whether it's a spiritual or religious institute or uh, some other type of sacred space. Um, so considering the, the right place uh, or where you are having the conversation is exceptionally important as well. You wouldn't ask your brother for the money that he owes you out of like a funeral. Right. Yeah, that's a great, great that's analogy. having consideration, basically. Yes, and I, um, once again, we'll repeat so many things, but it is on purpose, and that consideration is is just a big part of um, seeing things clearly and consciously. So now, uh, who? So that would be the right person. Yeah, yeah. So this is where I bring in the yebats. Um So if you are having a discussion with someone and they're... Uh, answering you back with the, yeah, but you don't understand this, or yeah, but you don't know about that. Uh, when a person goes into the yeah, but uh, more than likely you're not talking to the right person about the right subject. If a person is really interested in what you have to say, they may have the yeah, buts in their mind, but they will form a different question. So this is just like a little key question trigger that I've noticed uh, over many years. If you're not familiar with the person, then you should be considerate of the subjects that you're bringing up anyway. Um, that's just um, kindness. And if you do know the person pretty well and you're aware of the subject that you want to discuss, you more than likely have a good idea of how it's going to be received before you even begin. But this is, once again, a great place to practice because we can always hone uh, to learn to speak with integrity and to be um, very intentional with our words. And if our interest is to truly communicate, then we stop having so many preferences about how we say things. We want to use a language that people can understand. It's more important than saying things the way that we want to say them. So if you're talking to the right person, then you're taking the time to consider their language. And once again, we help with different tools to assist people to understand uh, that there are five different types of people that receive and give information different ways. And normally, with just a few uh, slight recognitions, we can have a good understanding or uh, an idea of what type of person someone is to assist with this type of uh, conscious communication. So the right person is, um, you know, is very important. And so pay attention to uh, how the person is responding to you. And pay attention to whether you even took time to consider uh, if this was the right person to discuss uh, what you want to discuss with. Now, you also, you mentioned right person, right subject, almost like they were tied together throughout that. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess thinking about it, right subject, which is the what, um, I guess they are kind of tied together, but in some instances they're not. Yeah, yeah and the subject, of course, uh, is extremely important and that does tie into right person right subject uh, because if you are talking to the right person about the right subject then you're not going to run into those yeah buts you're not going to run into the resistance see that doesn't mean that if you're consciously communicating with somebody that they just agree with everything you say that's not true but there is a there's a difference between not agreeing and resisting and if there's resistance energy there, then you're not talking about the right subject to the right person. So you can have even different views and still be in conscious communication. The whole key is that the emotions are not being activated. 
So the point isn't that everybody sees everything the same way. The point is that everyone is confident in the way that they see it, but they don't necessarily need to change the way anybody else sees it. And this is a more of a collective over time that will help people come together that do see things more similarly and get away from the, the frictional uh, aspects of trying to prove um, everybody's point. Now, for instance, what if you're in a relationship with somebody and there's something you, you want to talk to them about that's on the personal relationship level? Um, and you know, usually those those kinds of conversations are a little touchy. So you pick the right place. Maybe it's like at home on the couch without the TV on mm-hmm. or in another place where there's no distractions. You pick the right time, depending on the person. It could be when they first wake up, if they're a morning person, or you know, maybe after they had a nice dinner, <laughs> you know, something where, where they're not... You know their their emotions are kind of level. Um, the right person, obviously them. Um, so then, when you get into the right subject, if it's something that you're trying to communicate with them on, that you know, a, a lot of times that person, when it is about a, something like that where it's about the relationship, the person is automatically on the de, on the defense. Right. So it is the right subject. But that person is going to have resistance or can have resistance, not is, but can. So how would you, you know, before we get into right duration or technique, or maybe maybe that's even the answer is that. You're leading up to it perfectly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so so the next one, the right duration or technique um, or how, how you communicate it with someone. Such a, a, a great segue into that. So... You know, if you're bringing up a subject to the right person at the right place, at the right time, uh, or as best as you can see all of that, but you still know that the subject is going to be sensitive, what I like to suggest is that you use yourself to initiate the conversation, to possibly show um, some weaknesses or where you're struggling. Because when we show vulnerability, then it's easier for somebody else to show vulnerability. And dogs do this by showing their belly. They'll just just lie down and show that belly, and that's a way of saying, hey, you're, the, you're leading here. So it's very similar stepping into an uncomfortable uncom- conversation by starting off with, this is where I've noticed that I've been failing lately. Or this is what I've noticed when I don't do this, this is the effect I see that it has on you. And I want to... Uh, assist that and I am working towards helping that and this is what I'm doing uh, to do that do you have any input that that can help me to assist you further in that when you present a situation in that way it it provides a, a safe platform for the person to open up and say well I'm not necessarily doing my best either um, or I could do better here do you see any other areas now One can't get disappointed that if this doesn't flow perfectly every single time because there are so many variables as we're going through these different six variables to pay attention to. And yes, if you say anything that sets off the slightest emotional reaction in that person, whether they show you or not, that communication has been shut down. So 
that's why I like to uh, suggest to approach it from that uh, showing your belly first, so to say, and showing this um, the a level of uh, compassion through pointing out uh, our own uh, shortcomings, um, and then hopefully through the organic way of verbalization or language, then the specific thing that you would like to point out is ideally if they bring it up first and you don't have to point it out. And once again, we get into different types of people uh, in the systems that we use to help people to understand um, uh, more about themselves, the human design and um, numerology, that we can get more specific on exactly how to do uh, to engage with someone, but here we're speaking in general. So, like I said, if it's a sensitive situation, I like to start off by asking questions and showing um, showing my vulnerability first in that situation. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's let's go for an example, so it's easier to to see how it works. So let's say your your partner um, eats and leaves a dirty dish on the counter all the time, and then you like to have a neat kitchen, so you you are always the one be going behind them, picking up the, the dish and washing it in the sink or putting it in the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. So how would you... Yeah, wonderful uh, question. So, and scenario. So in this, first of all, we want to focus on the why. Why does this bother me? And in that we may answer quickly that, well, I like things to be neat. And so so we have to be careful when we're asking those internal whys that we don't use justification to answer those whys. We truly want to know why does this irritate me or why does this frustrate me because nothing should irritate or frustrate us. If we don't like the way something is, let's work toward managing it to be different through this conscious communication, hopefully. So in that situation, uh, one thing I suggest is you may not be able to communicate uh, that with your partner clearly until it doesn't bother you anymore. So if one can use that external situation and notice that frustration is coming up and a person asks those whys internally and gets to a point where it no longer affects the other person. They do have a preference of whether, you know, if they have the choice of a clean kitchen or a dirty dish on the counter, they're going to choose clean kitchen. But are they going to allow uh, a dirty dish on the counter to uh, mess up their day or to mess up their vibration or to cause them to lash out at their partner? Because if we start bringing... Uh, love in that all-encompassing sensation the plate on the counter has very very little significance so that's what we truly get to is the majority of things that bother us on an emotional basis are truly very minuscule in the big scheme of things so if before ever initiating a conversation with their partner if they would just work with that day in and day out, and every time they saw a dish on the counter, they just chose to let it affect them less and less every single time, then I have proven hundreds of times that that person will stop leaving that dish on that counter in front of you for you to see. 
when it doesn't bother you anymore because this is the way energy reciprocates and manages itself. But wherever we have a resistance, we attract energy toward that. What we resist persists. So this is the way that I suggest that, that that internal frustration is an issue with oneself, not the action of their partner leaving a dirty dish on the counter. But if over a period of time that person truly got uh, comfortable with that situation and the person, their partner did not stop doing that, then they could have a conversation. But because it's not emotionally charged, it can truly come across as we're working this out together. I'm not coming to you complaining about something that you're doing because it can be presented in Let's discuss what kind of uh, environment in the kitchen that we would like to maintain. Um, maybe I'm a little bit too neat, you know, and then that person may say, well, maybe I'm not neat enough. And okay, well, you know, uh, let's lurk towards getting toward the middle together here um, without either one of us feeling attacked or judged here. Uh, so let's just get clear on our common goal and work towards that as a team. That's a whole different process from just going to somebody and saying, I don't like that you leave a dish on the counter every night and I have to constantly clean up after you. Or, why do you leave the dish (laughs) on the counter, blah, blah, blah. Asking a question that lots of times people will give a linear answer that does not suffice um, or a logical answer. Uh, And that's why why typically can't be answered externally. You can get an answer but very rarely is it fulfilling. So would you uh, would you suggest through that person working through the dish um, not bothering them, would you suggest them leaving it there and then letting that person continue to pile up the dishes on in the same place and maybe maybe they would get it on their own? Because if every time they put the dish there, it disappears, they think there's a magical dish fairy that... Yeah. You know I mean, they do, it doesn't click, but once they... Once they see that they're putting their dish on top of their yesterday's dirty dish, maybe that would click. Yes, I mean, that that is, uh, and this is where the subject that we're on is right duration or technique, is that lots of times, depending on when we don't know all these variables of what type a person is or, or what their numerology is or something like that, then we have to do things by process of elimination. So, yes, one way to teach that person is possibly by accumulation. But another way to work with that is to actually to go and be happy to clean that dish each time. And then you sit there and say, do I love this person enough to do this for them every day for the rest of their life? We are here to exchange and help each other. And we do a lot of that through polarities. That's why I happen to feel that opposites attract and in my acronym of just Alexander, journeys unite seeking transformation. So when we connect with another human being and we decide for them to be our intimate partner, it's basically choosing somebody to just say, I choose you to show me all of my stuff. Because the more intimate we are with someone, the more vulnerable we are. So the more sensitive we are. So This is why the saying, we hurt the ones we love the most. 
And so this is the hope with this information to understand this going into a relationship. So we get away from projecting. We get away from pointing fingers. We understand that if you bring somebody into your life intimately, you're bringing them in to help show them things about you that you don't want to see. So that's a gift. So, yes, approaching either way to let the dishes accumulate to where see if they get the message that way or to do a deeper level of your own work and to be happy to clean that dish until it doesn't bother you anymore. And I love seeing people's reactions to when they wash that dish for the first time that it truly doesn't affect them at all, the likelihood of if another dish will ever be there again because the need for the lesson isn't there. That doesn't mean that that person won't leave dishes uh, in other situations. It doesn't necessarily heal it for the other person. What it does is it just stops the necessity for that lesson to be in your environment. So they still may leave dishes and uh, do lots of other unclean things in other spaces, but lots of times it resolves it. And I worked with this with a partner in the past with leaving uh cabinet doors and drawers open and as soon as I brought it to their attention they reminded me that uh, they had done that their whole life and it drove their father crazy and I asked them right away not to change anything so I worked with how it affected me when I truly got okay and it didn't bother me anymore they never left any more doors or drawers open and we didn't discuss it anymore so this is a way that that energy uh, seeks out that resistance um, because it always wants to come back to homeostasis and be resolved. I'm sure this is uh, a new way of looking at things for a lot of people because we're always taught that it's always like one-way energy. It's not two-way energy. So in, in this instance, uh, it would be deemed as a habit that your previous partner had of or maybe just not being conscious enough to even know that they're doing it. Um, but I guess a habit is a good word to use. But if they stopped doing it at home but still did it other places, it would just be a habit in those circumstances, like seen from, like, the society's eyes. But, but uh, this, yeah, this is just a new way of, of perceiving this type of energy exchange that we have. Yes, yes, because what is disruptive and distracting to one person uh, another person can never give it a single thought i mean uh, so this is uh the struggle with um people coming together on large community scale is that there are so many differences and so many preferences and so many people fighting for their way uh and being forceful using their willpower to try to make things happen. And uh, that works to different effects for different people. Um, that's what uh, we're part of is helping under people understand themselves better, uh, their environments better, and their relationships better so that they're more prepared to use similar techniques such as this to exchange information in a conscious, non-reactive way um, to make better choices and better decisions and be in better harmony with those around them. So if you're out there experiencing things that keep happening to you, it may not be those people doing them. I mean, they could be doing it subconsciously. It could be you attracting that type of energy in certain situations. Yes, because I remember a time when I was so frustrated with the human race and I was um, fortunate enough to be uh, in contact with a very wise gentleman 
And I asked him one day why everybody isn't doing this work and why everybody doesn't want to, it was my external whys, uh, doesn't want to grow and uh, see things from a more conscious view. And he just simply said, um, everyone's not here to do the work. Some people are here to just play roles. So we can see it as a form of um, responsibility even, that if somebody is doing something repetitious around you, they may have never done that before. They're playing a role so that you can get the lesson that you need to get. And so um, so part of setting people free to truly be themselves is by releasing the things that people do that irritate us or frustrate us or saddens us, that evoke uh, a negative emotion. And something that just came to mind when you were saying that is like there are people out there who keep attracting the same type of person in their lives like over romantically over. Mm-hmm. in a relationship and they can't figure out why that's happening yeah or, or vice uh, another way is um the types of jobs uh people put themselves in they will sometimes change jobs or change managers or bosses and then they'll find themselves in a very similar situation just all over again and well i thought that if i changed companies that this would be different but lots of times life will just set us up with something that's very very uh, similar all over again i talked with a gentleman that his last like five jobs had the same beginning uh and middle and end that in the beginning he would be very appreciated and brought in for his skill set and then about two months into it he has a major rub with his direct boss um, because they handle things very differently and then he's confused because he thought well you brought me in to do things my way and then over a period of time of a year or so he slowly gets nudged out by having hours cut or things like that a very passive aggressive pattern and uh, this person actually came to me one time uh, questioning if they had a, an attachment and they were uh, like – they didn't believe necessarily believe in the, all of that stuff, but they were just kind of at his wit's end. Are you talking about like a demon? Yeah, like quote? a demon yeah. attached to them and creating all this so-called negative uh, stuff that was happening to them. And in that – particular situation i just said hey let's step back and let's let's uh really look at this in a non-judgmental way and i said what could life be telling you and uh at this point in time i had studied his um his chart and his information and saw that he carried a lot of energy energy to be an entrepreneur and to run his own business but he was busy working over 60 hours a week trying to make a living working six days a week and frustrated constantly that he couldn't ever get any of his stuff off the ground because um, he didn't have time or energy. And so, you know, after allowing him, just asking him a few questions, he come to the realization and said, maybe life's just telling me that I need to be doing my own thing. I said, maybe you want to look at that. Um so we looked at a few different things and went on his way, and that's the way that he started perceiving things, um, is using his intention of how can I get out of what I'm currently in as quickly as possible to be more self-sufficient uh, as an entrepreneur. And so it changed his mindset from just being struggling and can't do anything to simply how can I make this 
work because now I see the direction and the intention that I need to have. And he resolved all that pretty much himself um, just by me asking like some questions and just kind of directing it. But uh, but those are whether it's a professional situation or a personal situation, uh, the watch seeing these patterns and seeing that when we take full responsibility of that and stop being coming from a victim mentality, then we can actually start redirecting the the energy. But first, we need to get clear on like potentially what that lesson is. And um, there's a lot of variables to that. Yeah, that that victim mentality is definitely something that I would like to get into a little later down the road. I think we can talk a lot about that. But I did want to also bring up something that you've said before, not to get far off of talking about the right duration or, or the right technique, but I think it was important to the story you were just sharing, was that I've heard you say um, when talking about work, because a lot of people have jobs that they don't like and they feel stuck. And, and because of the economy and, and because of our reliance on, on money and things and, and living above what we should be, and so that we need money coming in, so we kind of become a slave to our job in a way. Um, you've mentioned that just clarifying the reason or I guess clarifying your relationship with your job can help relieve the situation. So for instance, I've heard you ask them what their job is to them. So if if it's just for uh, a monetary thing, then treat it like that. Maybe you can kind of rehash that yeah, conversation. Yeah, to the... The being clear on your level of investment, um, equating your level of return. So, yes, if somebody is in a job um, or profession that they don't particularly enjoy, then uh, right now start making steps with your intention of how you see it changing and how you see it being different. And then accepting that, yes, this may be just a job and I'm still going to do my best when I'm here. But I'm not going to take any of this, uh, these personalities too seriously. I'm not going to take personally my suggestions not being utilized. I'm not going to take it personally that I'm not being recognized or respected enough um, because I'm just here to play a role. I'm just here to be one part in this big machine that is someone's passion, is someone's life. Um, but here I'm just here to play a role. And so we can still do that authentically and with 100% uh, giving it our all without taxing ourselves. If it is a job that that is moving toward your career or your preferred line of work, then accepting that there are uh, dues to pay. There are things that we have to go through that we don't enjoy to learn certain things to be able to do what we uh, intend to do. And when I run into people from time to time that will say things like, Oh, I wish I could do what you do, um, every day, Alexander, and just be of assistance to people and, um, and have the hours that you have and that type of thing. And they say that, um, with the kindest of intent, but out of complete ignorance of not having any idea of what all that I've had to go through to carry this information to, uh, have proven and utilized this information. So we can take um, words that are said in that manner, uh, like I said, as a compliment, but it's truly not understood. And we all, uh, whatever our strengths are, they've typically come from hardships that we have 
had to endure. And we just put our focus to practice on something and got uh, gotten good at it. Or people invest their time into a four-year or six-year or even more educational direction. And so a lot of uh, so-called sacrifice has to be given or a lot of investment if you don't want to go to the extreme of sacrifice. So, um, so typically whatever somebody carries as a strength, they have invested at some point in time um, – time to to be good at that and so uh so we need to pay attention to what we're investing in and if if what we are investing our time in is just a stepping stone then appreciate that stepping stone for just what it is but don't get caught up in any um resistance because it's not what you want it to be so truly i think seeing a position of someone's job or work uh being honest with themselves um about just what this is and what it means to me and lots of times I don't think people take the time to just consider that. They're just in their routine and whatever they're doing today, they've just got a concept. This is what they're going to be doing for the rest of their life. And so it starts to get heavy. But, yeah, just seeing things as more of a stepping stone rather than a destination. Well, speaking of time, if we go back to the how, which is the right duration and, and technique, I think we started talking about technique, which was – like how to handle the the dishes type of situation, but I don't know if we actually got into duration. Yeah, so duration is like, um, I like to call it, you can see people's eyes start to glaze over. Um, And so watching people's faces can go a long way. Um, First of all, if someone's eyebrows are down, then they're typically not receiving. If the eyebrows are up and the forehead is smooth, then typically they are receiving. So, but if you're talking to somebody and you just get this um, kind of a blank stare, um, they might not be with you as much as you think they are. So, so paying attention to get in and out of deep uh, subjects um, quickly as possible and allow questions. If people are continuing to ask questions, then they're more than likely engaged and still interested. But sometimes because of manners, manners have taught us to be polite. And so lots of times people uh, will allow someone to keep talking just not to interrupt them uh, when it can conserve both parties a lot of uh, energy if we can simply say, I'm really interested in what you've got to say. I'm just not able to to hold uh, what you're saying right now. Could we please talk about this at another time? So... So because the majority of people aren't going to say something like that, we have to be observant and we have to watch and know when we've talked on this subject to this person in this environment long enough. And so I like to say get in and out as quickly as possible. And of course, certain types of people would take that, you saying that to them certain ways. Yes, yes. And that's the thing. We And once again, why coming back to consideration is that uh, – Good intentions may be the death of a wise one, and we have to understand that even though we intend very purely, that depending on where that person is in their emotional state, that depends on how they receive it, very little about how the giver is giving it. And, of course, that isn't across the board because it is, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. So there is responsibility on that end as well. So we have to... Um, be conscious both in how we are giving words and then how we are receiving. 
So the way that I like to break this down is words are extremely powerful coming out of your mouth, but they carry no power when you're hearing them unless you give them power. So always remember that, that if you're getting offended by something that someone said, why would you give them that much power? And if you're not in agreement with them, that doesn't mean that you have to get upset. That doesn't mean you have to allow it to change your vibration. Acceptance, once again. Yeah, and and that's a big one nowadays, getting offended by what somebody says or somebody else having a having a different idea than you. I mean, how many people do we have on the planet? Yeah. Like six billion, six Billions. and a half billion or something like that. And, I mean, if you really want to live your life that way, you're never ever going to be happy because if everybody out there has a different opinion or than you then a different view yeah and remember that our perceptions are are honed by our uh, environment by our school system by our government system by our families our local communities so when people think that they know who they are they're very fooled from the very beginning because most people think that they are their personality and their personality has either been formed by their environment or resistance to their environment. So it's still being um, externally developed. So the point of, uh, of this work is to undo all of that development. So I have another saying that wisdom is in the emptying and knowledge is in the learning. And I've met thousands and thousands of knowledgeable people through my walk of these last 20 years. But I've met approximately three to five wise people because the wise release, the wise empty. Wisdom is in the emptying. Knowledge is in the learning or the gaining. So the wise have emptied. So information is useful, but emptying is potentially so much more useful, and that's emptying these past pains, these past traumas, uh, these emotional associations. That's what will change a person's perception of the present. Uh, not necessarily book knowledge, because that's what creates more confusion. And that's why we are in the information age now. And you can find any answer to any subject in the world by pressing a button and typing it in Google. But if you look long enough at the information, you will find polarities in the information. You will find people that say the exact opposite of each other. So discernment is the key of our times. So if one strengthens their discernment, strengthens their consideration, and strengthens their internal whys, there is a lot of hope for humanity. So right place, right time, right person, right subject, and right duration and technique. Those are the five external questions. Now let's let's play with an example here. So let's talk about something that everybody likes to do, and they shouldn't. Um, but let's say you know with with um, holidays being around, let's um, let's say that you're at a picnic. And uh, somebody starts talking about politics, and we all know everybody's everybody has their own thoughts about um, politics. So in this instance, you choose to be engaged with this person, and right away you don't agree, and you start to feel that emotion come up. 
mm-hmm. and uh, you start becoming frustrated because usually in political conversations, nobody is is talking and like nobody there's information is not being exchanged like both people are not uh, uh listening and right. and like taking on that person's view and being like hmm maybe I'll consider that it's uh it's just like basically two egos just bouncing against each other like two balls mm-hmm. like they're not merging nothing's merging it's just this person is who they are this person is who they are and they're just puffing their chests at each other so let's let's apply this to that situation once again if you're engaging with a person that has different views than yourself uh then right away uh, you have entered into like resistance and if you're looking to consciously communicate more than likely that isn't going to happen if you're looking to get a point across then i like to suggest to go ahead and accept that friction is going to be there and so one can stand in their truth and deliver their truth non-emotionally and in non-agreement with somebody without showing any negativity. And the way that we do that is, you'll hear me say this over and over again, is to acknowledge, respect, and redirect. In just about every situation with another human being, if you'll do these three steps, it'll save you from a lot of friction and heartache. And this is a way that I suggest people to work with children as well. So if someone says something that is uh, completely against something that we feel to be true, then we want to acknowledge that they've been heard. And you can say that many ways, like I hear you or I see what you're saying. I hear your point of view. Um, I respect your point of view. So the acknowledging is leads into the respect because as we acknowledge non-emotionally or non-confrontational, then that shows a certain level of respect. And what you're doing is you're showing this person, we, we teach through example what people need to learn as opposed to just words. So if we want someone to listen, then we listen to them. That means that we may have to listen to them say, the most asinine or uh, embarrassing thing over and over and over to teach them how to listen. But once again, that's being of service. That's not this different from being stepped on or uh, being a coward to speak your mind. So in the listening, uh, at some point in time, most people are inclined to give their take or their opinion on the situation. So buffering it with with some uh, considerate consideration type words such as uh, I'm not saying that I have this all figured out or I'm continuing to look at this more deeply. I am interested in what you said, but this is what I see, blah, 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 blah. And then if they like retaliate right back and give their opinion against uh, one of my favorite tools to suggest is maybe you're right. I'll look at that a little bit deeper. And then I look forward to talking to you about it again sometime soon. Once again, you're giving respect and acknowledgement and you're redirecting the energy at that point because you're observing that you possibly reached an impasse. This person is not listening to what you're suggesting. 
Uh, you're not necessarily interested in what they're suggesting. So let's change the subject of the conversation uh, while going through this uh, respect and acknowledgement. And what that does set up is for time apart for that person to consider your truth, but because you didn't create any retaliation, they have no reason to be defensive. That doesn't mean they won't be, because most time people will challenge you many times to see if you will react before they truly trust that, hey, they let me speak my truth and I can let them speak their truth, and that doesn't have to always be the same. But people are going to challenge that, and if you react one time, it can tear down a hundred times of being successfully not reacting. And that's why, you know, this work is is more of a lifestyle uh, philosophy um, to incorporate in your life, not something that you do for a little while and you fix some things in your life. It is a, uh, a living concept. And then I also like to suggest that I'll, you know, in order to save my energy, I'll allow anyone else to be right. I don't need to be right. If I know what's right internally and that vibration is feeding me, then I see it as just a gift if I have it to offer to someone else. But if they don't want it, then that's just more energy food for me. So this is why we can get into not taking things personally fairly easily if we're always focused on that. As I just have something to offer that is beautiful and feeding And if nobody wants some of that, then I keep it to myself. Or if this person doesn't want it, then I'll save it for the next person that does down the road. So conserving that energy is a whole lot more useful than trying to pour it down someone's throat that is just spitting at you and regurgitating it back up and not making any usefulness of it. So it comes down to a point to whether we need to be heard Well, we need to be comfortable in our own knowing. And when two people get together that are comfortable within their own knowing, then those two are gathered for a very special reason. Uh, Whether they agree on the subject or not, uh, to see two people able able to consciously see something different is a beautiful example. The fact isn't that everybody should see everything the same. That's not going to happen on this plane. That's not why we're here. But we are here to learn to uh, accept and live among each other without um, so much judgment and ridicule and crucifixion. There's been many, many great teachers um, outside of even Jesus that has taught this same concept. So sharing is a beautiful thing, and it carries so much reciprocation, but telling and yelling and forcing uh, typically has a very short expiration date. And we're coming out of those times where the masculine energy and the willpower is has been so strong, and now the more feminine energies and um, acceptance and love and compassion are becoming more and more prevalent. But the so-called light seekers or light workers out there, they're... Are, energetically sensitive um uh, there's perseverance that needs to happen for that to uh to truly carry through because people that use willpower to fuel themselves um are able to feed off of the negative emotions such as anger 
frustration, they're able to feed off of that. All of the so-called light workers or sensitive beings, uh, when they become continuously stronger and stronger to stand in that vibration, even when being questioned or ridiculed, to not allow that to weaken them, uh, that's what will take this um, this movement, so to say, to the next level. There's been different leaders in different cultures in the past that have done different levels of this, and even the country Tibet got taken over and there was no fight for the land because they didn't believe that they owned the land. So many people would see that as they didn't succeed. But the way that I see it is they didn't allow a more forceful culture to tear them down. They got their land, but they didn't tear them down as human beings. And so uh, so all of this should be strengthening anything that we invest internally into the the wise wise, the internal wise, that energy is never wasted because we're helping to grow ourselves up. And so any investment in ourselves is never, ever wasted, no matter who the roles are being played by externally. We can love the roles. We can love the role players while not appreciating the role, but through accepting that that role is there only because we need to learn the lesson, then that makes all the role players able to be in more harmony, uh, learning to make love with the friction, so to say. So putting these five externals in play in that situation, going back to being at the picnic and having that political conversation, what we should do before having that that uh, conversation that doesn't turn out well mm-hmm. is to run through these in our head. So, right, is it the right place? You're You're at a picnic, you're in front of family, friends, should you be having the conversation like that? Probably not. So right right then, you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't yeah. engage. And as soon as you get a no, as you go down this list, as soon as you get a no, then that's your answer. Uh, we shouldn't get into justification and being like, well, I got, you know, three yeses and two no's, so I'm going to go with yes, because uh, <laughs> it won. It's really about if you get a no on any of these, then just redirect just go in a different direction, still engage with that person, but maybe suggest another subject. And so if you, if for some reason you did get five yeses and you were having a conversation and it wasn't turning out the way you thought it would and you started getting emotional and you could feel it in your, in your, your chest or stomach. Um, so then what would be the why that would go internal? Well, it would probably be that um, what was blown was the how or the duration, that something was touched upon and not gotten out of in time before it created an emotional reaction in one or the other of the parties. So as soon as you recognize that uh, that that has happened, um, you redirect the energy, um, you attempt to wrap up the conversation to possibly set a time and a date to pick the conversation back up, depending on the level of importance. But to simply, uh, rather than continuing to drain, to go in a negative emotional direction, yes, you just uh, you respect, acknowledge, and redirect to another subject um, to stay in communication with that person, or you remove yourself from the situation. So I like to say that the, the wise one has typically... Uh, three choices in any situation. They're either improving the situation, they are neutral and not affecting the situation, or they are removing themselves from the situation. 
Because if one of those three things aren't happening, friction is going to happen. So if you do engage in that, then to as eloquent as possible to get out of that conversation or get away from that person or that situation, um, because any of these can change on a dime. I mean, it could have been the right time for the conversation, but it might have been the right time for a five-minute conversation, not the right time for a 30-minute conversation. Or it could be the right place, and you're somewhere with someone, and you're all alone, but then uh, another couple people come up. So in all of these variables, just if you get a yes all the way down, you still have to be present to see if any of these, as soon as these variables change, and like with duration and technique or a how, that's why I say the key is to watch their face. If their eyebrows start to go down, then it may be time to start wrapping up this conversation. Um, because once somebody's eyebrows go down, uh, they are not always looking to see it clearly. Uh, lots of times people will get stuck on the perception that they just had in that moment. And you can spend a lot of time dancing around that and so-called correcting that. But that doesn't mean that it was a success. Lots of times it's just a lot of energy wasted on words. And when another time would have been... Um, would have been a better plan to move forward. And then couldn't that person ask internal internally, like, why did what they were saying bother me? And then look at that. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the internal why is always there. Um, so, yes, if you start in a conversation and it's going well, and then all of a sudden it gets off course uh, to later to go back and say, okay, why did that get off course? What did I miss? And so you can go through that, uh, you know, to contemplate uh, where that so-called mistake or where the you got off course. Because anytime you're observing what's happening in communication, don't focus on the person, but focus on the technique. Uh, focus on where the... Uh, where the breakdown started and most of the time you can get it down to a word or a phrase and we have to understand that everybody has words or phrases that they are just triggered by and this of course is because of their past so if you can once again watch people's faces and watch their eyebrows when they just twitch down and pay attention to what word or what phrase did i just use there's always alternative words to use so then we just start replacing when we're working on these deeper levels of conscious communication with a single human being, we just pick and choose. Oh, I don't want to use that word or that phrase because it creates a reaction in them. Now, I could go to them and say, you need to do work on this work or this word or this phrase. And you need to quit being so sensitive. But all I'm going to get is a reaction out of that. So, once again, I'm willing to use whatever words or whatever phrase people is going to receive to get my information across. And then at a later date, we may be able to bring up in a different conversation like the subject of sensitive words and words that we're sensitive to. And then come full circle to where that word or that phrase can be re-implemented because that person did their work around that word or that phrase. But it's all part of the process. And in the beginning, we want to be considerate. We want to be considerate of the other person because another saying is, if you think you know more than anyone in the room, then congratulations, you carry more responsibility. 
So anytime that we're not in a humble situation, uh, the way to get back to humility right away is that if we think that we know more than the other person we're talking to, then you carry more responsibility to be more selective of your words, to be more selective of your phrasing, if your interest is in conscious communication. So what would be the most important thing learned in this conversation today? We talked about the five externals, the right place, right time, right person, right subject, right duration and technique. Then we talked about the right why, but the right why is internal. So would that be the most the most important thing? You do have another saying. Uh, for me, that's just a big trigger point is any time the word why comes into my mind. It's normally directed external to begin with because of the training that we've had. And so just the, the practice of that, if, if someone just takes this for the next week and just practices with every time the word why pops into my mouth or comes to me externally, I want to go internal. And that can be like a game. I mean, it becomes a dissecting uh, one's thought patterns and it, it can be very, very fun. Now, I do want to ask you, because I think you've got one of my uh, so-called sayings in mind that I may not be coming to the forefront. Do you know what it is? Oh, I was uh, trying to bring out right place, right time, right person, right subject, right duration, FY. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can use your own explicitive there, but we, uh, we have fun with that. And um, hope to have a T-shirt that um, says FY. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results.